Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Tuesday night, January 16th, 2018. A very happy and healthy New Year to everyone out there listening. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is JB, and my co-host, as always, is DG. Sir, happy New Year. How are you? Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez, Miss Texas USA 2011, and I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold each week to hear the best interviews and live talk radio. David and Joe are simply the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? Shame on you. Hey, guys. This is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011. Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. Wait, are we live from 
I forgot that we even had it. New Orleans is the biggest lib on the planet. Uh, yeah, I went to high school with her. But the fact that she's a fellow lover, she is just made as conservative as we are. But anyway, um, I mean, there's so many different things to talk about. The first thing, of course, I have to say is the fact that we are two weeks into 2018 and we're doing our first show. That's kind of a big deal, sir. It's not June and we're doing our first show. You're right, it is. Uh, so at this pace, we'll at least do 12 shows this year as opposed to, what, five last year? Yeah, I don't uh, We didn't. We didn't have to that many episodes last year. And I'm not even sure why, because we talked about doing episodes all the time. We just never ended up doing them, which is pretty insane. Uh, what's funny is that we were, we were discussing, we were just kind of shooting the breeze a little up before the episode uh, started, and I was, what I was going to tell you was, did you hear about the rumors? Which apparently, in fact, my brother ended up telling me about this. The Mets actually, and I kind of want to talk about the Mets because they're a, they're a hot mess, as it were, but there's so many different things that we could kind of discuss about them. Did you hear that the Mets passed up a chance to trade for Andrew McCutcheon because they didn't want to part with Brandon Nimmo? I only found that out through uh, your friend Evan Roberts' Twitter account that actually has the article. Um, yes, I did find that out earlier tonight. Um, are you surprised? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not surprised that the Mets did it because it's such a nice thing to do, but sir, I know that you've given up on them, but let's be honest. Brandon Nimmo is not that good. Andrew McCutcheon is, like, is a multiple-time all-star. I don't even understand... Andrew McCutcheon is light years better than Nemo. He would have been, I mean, McCutcheon would have been not a franchise player, but he would have been a difference maker on the Mets. And the fact that they didn't trade for him because of Brandon Nemo, that is absolutely. Typical Mets. I mean, what does your brother think? That uh, he's going to become a Milwaukee Brewer fan again? Or what's he thinking? Oh, uh, no. He is, he's given up on the Mets completely. He's pretty much he's decided to become a front runner. And he's just going to root for whichever team uh, wins. And, I mean, this is, let, let's be honest, this is a joke. You know, we talked earlier this week when the Mets signed their last week, when the Mets signed Jay Bruce. You know, it's a good move, per se, because Bruce actually played really well in New York. But it's a move that doesn't make a lot of sense, because where is he going to play? And at the time they signed him, it was like, oh, he's going to back up down the next at first, and he's also going to play field. Okay, that's the greatest idea, but that's fine. And then the Mets go in the end of signing Adrian Gonzalez, who – had a horrible year last year due to injury. I mean, I was looking at Adrian numbers. He actually has a really good numbers for his career. He's been pretty productive up until last year. This is basically the Mets getting a guy on the bad side of 30, getting him on the cheap because the Braves were actually on the hook for like $22.5 million of this contract, which is amazing. They cut this guy, and you know, for no reason, basically, and they're going to pay him to play with the Mets, and the Mets are going to pay in the league minimum, which I think is somewhere in the nation of the but anyway, so the Mets now have a third guy to play first base, and all three of them are left-handed. Explain that to me. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just typical, as always, typical Mets. What I, what I want to know is how did the Mets expect to fill seats uh, this year? Jay Bruce signing is just not going to get it done. I don't, you know, at this point. Well, I mean, there's rumors, there's talks that they may be they're, they're interested in Josh Harris, the second baseman of the Pirates, who literally came out today and said that he wants to be traded. Because he saw that they traded McCutcheon, one of his best friends. They traded Garrett Cole. Interestingly enough, not the Phoenix, which, I mean, I thought that was kind of a done deal. But, you know, the rumors have – it's one of those things that the rumors kind of go on for so long or something. You kind of get to the point like, all right, it's probably not going to happen. But you're talking like weeks and weeks, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole, they end up trading him. 
uh, to the Astros, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the Yankees didn't get him, so that's kind of a big deal. So the two best players on the team, gone. And now Harrison, who's the, the longest tenured pirate at this point and probably the best player on the team now, he wants to be out of there because he doesn't want to be a part of any sort of rebuilding, although the Pirates claim it's going to be a quick one. But, you know, if the Mets can get in on that, that would be great. Problem being that, of course, a lot of people are going to watch Josh Harrison because he's a good player. And, uh, you know, he's got some, he's got some good stats, especially for a second baseman. You know, I have uh, our, our – uh, actually, I'm, I'm not even going to have a producer because uh, she's off tonight, but – now, I look at his numbers, and I mean, last year, he this guy had 272, 60 homers, 339 OPB, 771 OPS. I know everybody was talking about the OPS, but basically, he averages um, when he plays. Uh, I, I, I mean, he's got, he's got decent numbers in 2014, uh, 15, 16, not so great. Um, last year, he played about the same amount of games as the year before, but he ended up getting more home runs, so. I mean, he's got good average. He's in the 670s, 280s, even 300. So, I mean, he's definitely a guy who could make a difference. That's not going to be more than this. But are they going to get him? Probably not. So, I mean, you know, there's so many different things. They're a mess. Like you said, who's going to want to watch that? Who's going to go to their game? I honestly have no clue to say they're terrible. I mean, to be quite honest, they do these things. In my opinion. Anyway, the only thing that can possibly be said you know, about the New York Mets. Please, thank And it's fine. I think my favorite part about that clip there, hold on, my favorite part about that clip, other than the fact that it was about the Mets, is the fact that he just said, it sounds like he said he stink. I don't even know what he was trying to say. They stink, he stink, you stink, I don't even know. But, you know, for the audience out there, let's play one of them. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Is that the, that's not even a clip that we take out of context. Mike was actually, he was actually talking Please about stink. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I, I honestly will never. Will Wait, never what is the point? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, what, what a night tonight. We have, a, we have a, one of our first uh, interviews in a long time. And we're pretty excited about that. That's going to be in a few minutes. But, you know, I don't want to. Well, the, the fun the worst. You know, we got five more minutes before I get calls in. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about Raw 25 next week. Uh, are you interested, excited, so uh, we're thrilled? Spend five minutes on Raw, and we're going to completely change the subject to go to Doctor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all I want to talk about with Raw. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to do it. I'm sure the WWE would do a good job because they typically do. The fact that uh, it's 25 year anniversary of Monday Night Raw, which is interesting because I was, I was playing WWE 2K18 before. I'll give a little plug for that. And uh, I'm thinking Shawn Michaels is going to be there. The other people are going to be there. I mean, these guys were at the first Raw 25 years ago. It's been a quarter of a century. That's yeah. insane. 25, 25 years ago, I was 11, and I was watching Raw. Actually, I wasn't watching Raw because I stopped watching wrestling at that point. But I was 11 years old, and now I'm in my mid-30s, and it's been a quarter of a century. These guys, Undertaker's basically retired. Sean has, has been retired for years. Um, I mean, there's not that many guys even in the company still who were here at the time, you know. Uh, Vance, obviously. Um, Stephanie and Sheen don't count because they were they would have been little. Um, think, I mean, how many guys were working with the WWE, excuse me, WWF at the time that are still there? Not many. Not many at all. But well, that's the thing. And then you look at the, the, the so-called, I mean, there's no surprises because they've been running down all the people. Jericho's going to be there. 
Dudley Boys are going to be there at the New Age Outlaws. Interestingly enough, because Billy Gunn got fired by the WWE due to like failing of some sort of drug test, this is weird because he's a trainer. He was a trainer. He, yeah, they were drug testing him as a trainer, you know, for I don't even know what. So, um, 8,000 acts, but honestly, all it's going to do is remind us of how bad the product is now, how we miss all these different guys. You know, it, it, I mean, I'm not really excited. I guess I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'll probably DVR it, but I'm not exactly going to be, uh, you know, sitting there with bated breath watching it live. I, I like, I kind of find the idea of the two different venues interesting because the Manhattan Center is where, of course, the first WWE episode of Raw, Monday Night Raw, originated from. So I'm wondering if they're going to do the whole, you know, with the, the alarm blaring and everything. So when they did that first night, I'm kind of thinking that that's the route they're going to go to introduce the show. And then they're going to cut back and forth between the two different places. I think they should have just done it at the Manhattan Center, but they're doing it at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn and the Manhattan Center in Manhattan. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but the Manhattan Center, what, fits maybe maybe like three or 400 people? I don't think that they could have a Raw that fits only three or 400 people at a live event anymore. Not anymore. Um, I don't know if it's that small, but I guess I can look it up and see, you know, what it is. Um, I'm, I'm actually curious not to mention. I can't imagine if it's that few, that few um, uh, small amount of people. It actually takes about 2,500 for theatrical productions. So, I mean, not, I'm thinking maybe 3,000 they could probably say, you know, because the set for walls are not huge and they don't take a lot of space, but I can't imagine that uh, they're going to be done with that. Then again, considering the attendance at some of these events, I think that might be a packed house but just because it's a small location. Yeah. I, I hope they invite the uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Coco Beware, to that because he was in the very first match with Yokozuna, I believe, on Raw back in January, whatever, 1993. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that's the case because that's obviously the thing that made a big deal. He should be, considering the, uh, the illustrious career that he had and the fact that he is in the Hall of Fame. I think it's only important that they do something like that and they actually have Coco be the number one guy. But anyway, uh, we'll have to put that on hold for a second because we are we have our guests who's going to be joining us. Uh, folks, we are honored and privileged to be joined by the program director of ESPN 105.1, the zone here in Chattanooga, Weld Guthrie. Weld, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, you know, I mean, last week we kind of reached out to you. Um, I'm a big fan of, of the, the Afternoon Drive Fan Show, which, of course, for those of you here in Chattanooga, it would be press row. Uh, I've been listening to it for quite a while. I've been in Chattanooga for over a year. And, you know, I'm listening to it and kind of you and Jay and Dave and kind of like the, the interesting, like, three-man thing you guys are going on. Um, but here on our end, you know, Joe and I have always been big fans of Sports Talk Radio. Doing this show, you know, we've been inspired by guys like Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, you know, of course, Mike and the Mad Dog. I mean, everybody knows them. But when we have guests on the show, such as yourself, we kind of like to do a little get, it, get to know you segment, I would say. So we'd like to know a little bit about you, Wells. I mean, uh, tell us. I guess I do the program director, ESP 105.1, et cetera, et cetera. But how did Wells Guthrie end up where he is now as for ESPN? You know, it's a really long and, and complicated story, and any time that I tell it, I always tell people, you got to hold your breath because there's a lot of different people involved. There's a lot of different cities and towns and meet and greets and rubbing elbows with this person, and there was a lot of luck involved in it as well. You know, I always tell people when they're trying to get into this business, you know, hard work is really important, 
but you're going to have to have a little bit of luck on your side because there are a lot of people that put in a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort to get into this business and the right door just never really opens up for them, the right opportunity, if you will. So I'll get that out of the way before I tell you the story, and I'll try to get through this as, as quick as I possibly can. But for those of you that don't know, I'm from Fairfax, Virginia, a little small town in Fairfax County called Burke, Virginia. That's where I'm from. Uh, played a season of baseball at Virginia Wesleyan, ended up blowing out my arm, and, and needed to transfer somewhere um, and, and play somewhere else. So I decided to, to move down to Greenville, North Carolina, uh, did that, uh, ended up partying a lot more uh, than trying to get my arm to come back around and uh, kind of reached a point where I was like, you know, I got to probably put the glove and the bat down and realize that, you know, I'm 5'9", 160 pounds soaking wet. I'm not <laughs> playing Major League Baseball. Uh, so I probably need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, right? So um, I ended up uh, talking to my girlfriend um, at the time. We're no longer dating, of course. Things change. But uh, we decided to move to Chattanooga because I've got some, some family in the area. And uh, we moved down here and absolutely loved it. And about two months after we were down here, um, my girlfriend at that time comes to me and says, hey, you know, I need to make a trip back up to – New Jersey, where she was from, uh, the Bordentown oh, area. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not. Yeah, we are. We're both from New Jersey originally, actually. Yeah, that, that's why I dropped that, that little note in there because you said that over the email. <laughs> so I'm back up in New Jersey, and I'm at this long dinner table at this, this dinner party around the holidays, and there's a bunch of Italians up there. We're eating, like, lasagna and drinking way too much wine. And um, I had met these people before on a trip that I had taken up there, but randomly, like I'll get on with the story. Uh, somebody says, Hey, you know, what are you planning on doing after you graduate? I know that you're at UTC right now and you used to play baseball right. kind of, what are you planning on doing? And I said, you know, I've actually been really depressed after I blew out my arm and had to stop playing baseball. So if there is anything that I can do to be working in sports, like I'm interested in doing that. I'm not really sure which Avenue, whether it's going to be, working for a team or, or doing whatever. And randomly this, this lady says to me, now what town are you living in in, in, in Tennessee? And I said, well, I'm living in Chattanooga. And she says, well, that's weird because this guy that I went to high school with actually hosts a sports radio show down in Chattanooga, and he's the program director down there. And I go, really? That's kind of interesting. So long story short, she ends up hooking me up with uh, this guy named Nick Bonsanto, and at the time, uh, he was the program director of ESPN 105 Zone in Chattanooga. Um, I ended up doing an internship for him for about you know a semester or so. Uh, they ended up hiring me about three months later as a producer. Uh, I kind of chipped away from there. And like I said, it's all about the you know being in the right place at the right time and doors opening and, and walking through them. And uh, that guy ended up getting a job opportunity in Las Vegas. Uh, he leaves. Uh, they end up interviewing a bunch of people for the job and realize that, hey, we've got this uh, young, hungry, 21, 22-year-old kid that, you know, we can pay, you know, $18,000 a year to be the program director because nobody else in their right mind is going to take that money for a job like this, but um, <laughs> he, he might. And so I ended up taking the job, and uh, the rest is kind of history. Wow, that's that's quite a story. I mean, that, it's funny you mentioned the New Jersey thing. I actually forgot that uh, we had I had thrown it in there via the email. And I mean, I just moved to Canada about a year ago, and that uh, definitely is interesting. And uh, 
different environment, shall we say, than New Jersey. And this is a great example, of course, would be the fact that it snowed about a millimeter today, and every store was shut down. I went to Publix. I went to, you know, all these different places. Uh, everything was closed down. People were panicking. My coworkers all left early. And I'm sitting there like, where's the other eight or nine inches before we get to go home early? But uh, it definitely put quite a different environment as well. You know, you, of course, you mentioned that, you know, you ended up here in the, uh, the scenic city, as it were. But you're the program director currently, right? But is that your ultimate goal? I mean, do you want to end up hosting your own show by yourself with a partner? I mean, you, you want to end up uh, taking over your skin? What's the ultimate goal for Walt Guthrie and Radio? You know, that's a really good question, and I get asked that a lot. And I think it's sort of changed. I think my answer to that question three years ago would be very different uh, from the answer that I'm about to give you. You know, when I first got into the business and was doing the producing and and, and that's all I was doing at that point and was watching the hosts and uh, watching them command the mic and, and do show prep and, and put a show together. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I really did want to do that. I wanted to be a, a host, either a solo host or a guy that hosted a uh, or co-hosted a two-man show. And um, I really fell in love with radio, and I did that for a while. I know that you've only been in Chattanooga for about a year or so. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, but I actually did co-host the afternoon show in the same slot that Press Row is right now uh, for about oh, wow. two years with a guy named Jim Gum. And I really enjoyed it, um, but I'm also self-aware enough to know that the show really wasn't that great. wasn't all his fault, wasn't all my <laughs> far, fault, uh, but I think there was some, some inexperience on my side and just some limitations uh, with us working together and some other responsibilities that he had. And during that time while I was hosting the show, I was still, you know, doing my program director responsibilities, doing all the station imaging promos, commercial as played blogs, um, you know, building the show every day, booking guests, locating sales prospects, all that type of stuff. Um, but I, I found that I was actually a lot better at focusing more on just the administrative side of the programming. And at that point I got involved in, in sales and got a, a taste of that. Um, and I was really good at it. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I, I had some early success doing that. And um, I, I kind of fell in love with that side of it a little bit more than uh, air quotes being the guy, you know, with the mic in front of them. Right. So um, that's kind of more along the lines of, of, you know, what gets me off in, in this business is more of the, the program director stuff and, and working with the account executives to locate sales prospects, of course, make the station sound as good as it possibly can on a day-to-day basis, uh, try to secure some good play-by-play contracts. And, and luckily we've been able to do that with the Atlanta Braves and the Falcons and, and what we're doing with Westwood one. Um, and we also got Vanderbilt over on another station. Uh, I was in on the negotiations for, uh, for that deal over on, uh, easy one But, um, yeah, man, I think that, you know, things have just changed a lot over the years. And uh, when I first got into it, you know, I looked up to Colin Cowherd. I, I still do. I, I've read all of his books. I, I love him as a host. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I think we can all appreciate in this business how he commands the mic, puts together a show, and how intelligent of an individual he is. And I wanted to be him, but I, I soon realized that God has to give you a little bit of talent for you to be able to transform yourself into somebody like Colin or somebody that's hosting a, a big time successful radio show in a big time market. And it's not that I didn't want to put the work in to, to get there. It's just not what I was ultimately 
passionate about uh, in the end. And so that's why I'm, I'm a little bit more focused on uh, some of the other things now. That's really insightful, Wells. Um, just uh, let me ask you, because it seems like radio, as it will, uh, as it is now, is a, uh, I don't know if it's a dying breed or it's moving to podcasts, but what do you see the future of, of talk radio? Is it, is it going to podcasts or is it like a hybrid or how do you see it going? Yeah, uh, another really good question. Um, one that, that we try to come up uh, with answers for almost almost every day in this industry. Um, I, I don't think – I think radio as a whole when it comes to music is, is definitely changing a lot more than the, the talk part of the industry is. Um, you're right. You can still get talk and podcasts, and a lot of it is going online. But I'm sure you guys are all aware of, you know, the Amazon Echo and the Google Home and these new home smart speakers. Well, I mean, those things are selling like hotcakes right now. And one thing that is great about them is that, you know, you can stream any radio station in the world on those devices at any time. So that's something that is kind of proven that the industry is adapting and doing new things that are fun and exciting for some of the younger demos that maybe didn't grow up listening to the radio. They were probably already listening to their MP3 player or, you know, they didn't go to bed at night listening to play by play of the Atlanta Braves in their bedroom. They were playing Xbox or, or something else, you know? So there definitely are some challenges with radio. I'd be a fool to sit here and tell you that there aren't challenges. Uh, but when it comes to radio, we own the vehicle, we own the car. And I know there are a lot of people that, that listen to their iPods and, listen to CDs and audiobooks and podcasts online and, and stream and all those different types of things. But um, radio numbers are still very strong. You know, across the board, a ton of people still listen to radio. The data backs it up. Nielsen does a great job of, of doing surveys and providing us with those numbers. So, you know, to, to answer your question and kind of put a cap on, on this question, um, I think it is changing. But in terms of the amount of people that are listening – um, I, I think it's still very strong. You know, I think more people are, are going to be listening to the radio at home due to these smart home speakers. Uh, everything that we're doing, we're trying to make a digital copy of it. So um, a lot of the big interviews that we do, we podcast those and put those on ESPNChattanooga.com. Uh, we're looking at developing a press row podcast, which will be basically our best 45 minutes of the show. Uh, that will be available not only on our website, but also available on the Amazon Echo and the Google Home by simply saying, Alexa, play the Press Row podcast on ESPN 105.1 The Zone, and it'll automatically play that podcast for you. So we're working with developers right now to get some of those things done. Uh, the radio industry is changing, but I think that this industry and the people that work in it are doing a really good job of keeping up with the curveballs that this industry is throwing at us. That totally makes sense. Uh, it's a good answer. Uh, I, I I think you're right. I don't think it's dying completely, and podcasts is something that's hot right now, but people do still listen to the radio, like you said. Sure. Not maybe on a traditional radio, but through the Internet with Radio.com. So stuff like that are definitely the mediums right. that people are still listening to, you guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know that right when we came on, um, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure if it was uh, David or Joe that that asked that first question, but you know he listens to Press Row, you know, pretty regularly. I think people in local markets like Chattanooga 
thrive on radio more than big-time markets do. And I know that maybe sounds crazy because there are a lot of big-time sports radio hosts and big-time markets that are killing it and have great numbers and great revenue, and it's just a very healthy situation all the way around. But what we're giving you in Chattanooga, you can't get anywhere else because you're getting local guys talking about local sports but also giving you opinions on – the regional teams like the Tennessee Titans who made the playoffs and the Atlanta Falcons who made the playoffs. You can't get local guys talking about local topics or regional or national topics anywhere. If you're a Chattanooga guy that lives here. That's a good point. I mean, I, like I said, you made an interesting comment. You said that you know, radio, you guys own the car and that's when I listen to press row when I'm in the car, you know, just by default. Like I never, I tell you the truth. I never, ever listened to ESPN at all. Never listened to Mike and Mike. I was, again, you know, being in New Jersey, being in that area, just always listening to WFAN and listening to the stations up there. But since I moved down here, I have to actually go into my phone, go into radio.com, you know, go into an app, go, you know, put it up. And it's just, at times it's too much work. So I just turn on the radio, boom, and the only sports station really locally is 1051. So I put it on, and that's how I found out about you guys. Uh, that's how I found out, you know, about – I listened to Mike and Mike more before, of course, uh, you know, they – it up and the show ended and now they're doing a But anyway, so it's interesting you mentioned that because that's literally the, the reason that I started listening to you and found out about you because I was in the car turned on sports reading and hey, you know, ESPN, let me just listen to it. But it's an interesting point and I'm sure there's a lot of other people who, you know, out there listening or just in general are like, man, it's so much easier to turn on the radio versus going through the app and doing all these different things and trying to bring it up and offering and everything else. And it's Radio is so simple and it's so easy, and that's probably why so many of us are you know, listening to it in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all about accessibility. And, you know, we live in a time right now where everybody wants instant gratification. You want the information as fast as humanly possible, and when you want something, you want it right now. And you know, I know that it's a little bit of a hassle to get out an app and, you know, to press play and, you know, to get your aux cord or get your Bluetooth set up and connected. It's really not that much work, but it is annoying. But you're right. With terrestrial radio, I mean, every car that's not a complete piece of crap, you know, has a terrestrial AM, <laughs> FM radio. And all you do exactly. is, you know, press that, that preset that's that it. you have on ESPN and, and we're right there. So, yeah, that, that one step, in this instant gratification society, it, it does mean a lot being that accessible. Just flip a button and, and there's press row for you. Right. Now, just in terms of just sports in general, I know that you're the program director, Wells, um, but just I, I always like to ask this of the people in the sports world, um, you know, past or present, uh, alive or dead, who would you like to actually have on your show and why? That's a really, really good question. Um, does the person have to be in sports or connected to sports in some way? Um, no, I guess it could be anyone. To be honest with you, I know this sounds crazy, but like right now, just with how many headlines that he gets as the commander of the free world, I'd love to have Trump on the radio. <laughs> I really oh my would. God. I really would. I'm not a huge fan of the guy, and I don't try to keep my political views private or anything, uh, but that guy is as honest as he can be. He's unfiltered. He tells you it exactly the way that he thinks it, and I think that 
in a roundabout way with Jay being on our show and him being so tied into the political scene uh, and being sort of a right winger himself uh, by definition. Um, if we could do an interview where I had my guys interview him, but I also brought Weston Womp in. I'm not sure if you've heard him, but he does a half sports, half politics show for us on Saturdays from 10 to 12. Uh, I think that would be unbelievable programming if they could just rapid fire questions at him and just get truthful answers. I think that would be great. But going back, I mean, I would love to interview Jackie Robinson. Uh, I think that would be great. Um, I was always a big fan of Willie Mays um, and his career, watching the old highlights in, in black and white. Um, of course, the babe, you know, going out every night and getting plastered and then hitting a bunch of home runs and, and throwing no hitters. <laughs> like, his stories would be phenomenal. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, the, whoever you would think, like, yeah, I'd love to interview him or have him on the show. That's funny you mentioned uh, Trump. I mean, Joe and I, I, this show is really an amalgam of a lot of different things. For the most part, we talk sports like 80% of the time. We talk sports, we talk wrestling, we talk TV, we talk movies. We just talk a lot of politics in the uh, in the political season. And Joe and I both happen to be, uh, you know, conservative, right-wing, whatever the case is. But I've never been a huge fan of the president. You know, Joe and I kind of went back and forth on some different things. And you mentioned, you mentioning him, there's so many different times. You just sit here and go like, how how is he saying this? Um, I think that interview would, would probably go off the rails so quickly that it would literally be the most like it would blow up the internet. Literally, it would shut down. So many people downloaded it. I mean, it would just be completely out of control because I mean, did he really say that? Are you kidding me? Just silence, jaws dropping. But that would definitely be fascinating. And I was not expecting that. I definitely wasn't expecting that. I've gotten a little bit of an idea from listening to the show, you know, kind of who swings in which direction. And you guys have talked a little bit about Trump. But I, I, one thing I like about you, Wells, is that I've always found it, you to be, uh, I don't know if neutral is the right word, but you're always kind of professional when it comes to certain things. I mean, you're not sitting there bashing anyone or whatever. You know, here on this show, of course, we just, it's just me and Joe, we talk and say whatever we want. But um, since, we, since we're on the topic of interviews, one thing that I'm curious about, uh, if you could pick one interview out of all the ones you guys have done, because I've heard you chime in in interviews. I've, you know, I've heard David and Jay you know, do the interviews or whatever, and then you're kind of jumping in there as well. Who would you say all-time favorite? I'd love to ask your worst interview, but most people would have completely avoid that question because you don't want to you know, offend anyone or say the wrong thing. But who would you say is your favorite interview that you guys have done over the years? Oh, man, that, that's a tough question. Um, while I'm thinking about that, I'm going to be the guy that is willing to give you the worst interview that we've ever done because <laughs> you can't awesome. be afraid to offend people in this business because you have to tell the truth. And I feel like your listeners, they tune into you because they want a voice of reason, but at the same time, they also want you just to be yourself and be honest. Justin Hunter is the worst interview that I've ever done in my life. You might not even know who that guy is. He played wide receiver at I, Tennessee, I uh, ended up getting drafted by the Titans. I think he's like the seventh wide receiver on the Steelers right now, uh, who, of course, got eliminated by the Jacksonville Jaguars after scoring 42 points. It's just unbelievable. Um, but uh, <laughs> he was the worst interview that we've ever had. Um, he just was a rookie in the league, uh, not polished on the mic, and it was just terrible. I'll give you a couple others that were really bad. Uh, Pauly Shore was terrible. Uh, he did a show <laughs> at the Comedy Catch. I've heard you guys. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he did a show at the Comedy Catch, and um, the owner of the Comedy Catch lives in my building, Mike Alfano. Great guy. I highly recommend that you guys go down there uh, to the Comedy Catch. Take your wives or girlfriends and, and, and wait till a big name comes through and, uh, you know, do the show and then go have a couple drinks at uh, the bar, which they call Giggles, uh, out back right there on Station Street, and it's a great time. But that's beside the point. He was awful. Uh, he thought that, you know – he was the best and just one of those guys, you know, and, and gave you the whole, yeah, just, just a really bad interview. Um, we had a really bad interview with Seth Greenberg of ESPN a few months ago. Um, but we had him back on this past week and he was great. Um, and that's the thing that you got to remember is that these people are people too. You know what I mean? Like maybe they woke up and had a fight with their wife that morning before they went to work. Or, you know, maybe they got something else going on in, 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 in their life that's, that's tough and is, is making things difficult on them, and they're just pissed off. You know, we all have those days where, you know, we get off on the wrong side of the bed and put our pants on backwards, and, and we're just mean people. It just happens every now and then. And Seth definitely uh, was having one of those days, and we asked him a question about not recruiting Steph Curry when he was at Virginia Tech, and – he wasn't having it and basically just said, next question. And we said, well, hold on a second. Like, you know, we, we weren't trying to offend you. And then he just hits us with the next question. And, uh, you know, we had to, had to move on from there. But uh, we had a great interview with him uh, last week. And uh, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised that it, that it went well because we didn't know how it was going to go. Um, the best interview that we've ever done – um, man, that's, that's super hard. We had, we had Herb street on, uh, about a year and a half to two years ago. He's as good as they come when it comes to college football knowledge and being tied in. Uh, so he was, he was phenomenal. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think, let me ask you this question. I mean, like you listen to the show every day. What are some interviews that, that you've heard that, that you've liked? Well, what's interesting, right, is with me, it's like I get that five to kind of six o'clock time where I get into work. I mean, I'm working, so I'm not listening to the show at the time. So I've got that five to six. And um, you guys have done, you mentioned Seth Greenberg, which is interesting because I literally went on the website today and I saw that you guys have a podcast, you know, the episode or whatever it is with him, an interview on there. I was like, oh, okay. So when you mentioned him, I was like, wow, really? Like, it was a bad interview, but, you know, of course, you kind of cleared that up. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, you, guys, you have a lot of college football coaches on, and you have a lot of different people. Um, I'll give I you like a guy. I'll give you a guy. Like, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to interrupt okay, you. No, no, but no. anytime that Mike Leach comes on the radio, it's absolute gold because he is just an incredibly intelligent pure guy. But he is just—you're right. He's pure gold. And but that's just the way he is. He's not putting on an act. I've read his book incredibly intelligent guy. I mean, has a law degree uh, from Pepperdine, um, but he is just off the walls and, and great anytime that we'd have, we have him. So I would say, I would say probably, probably one of the Michael Leach interviews has probably been the best one that we've ever had. That's awesome. I mean, what I was telling Joe as a, as a sidebar, kind of like in between, you know, the conversation is that it's interesting because people never answer the question. Nobody ever says, oh, what's the worst interview? Nobody ever, yeah, you know, like I said, they literally will avoid it at all costs because they don't want to send, they don't want to name names. But I love the fact you named names and you gave us more bad interviews than, than good interviews. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that, that's, definitely, that's definitely a plus there. Well, 
Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, I mean, I think that – and this is just sort of a view that, that I've developed and an opinion that I've developed as the, the years have gone on. And, and I'm not an old guy. I mean, I'm, I'm only 29. I got into this business when I was really young, but um, I'm going on my seventh year with the company now. And I've just been around a lot of people that take their jobs way too seriously. You know, we all got into this business to have fun and to do something that we're passionate about doing. And a lot of people can't say that. You know, a lot of people get up at 6 a.m. or 5.30 or whatever, and, you know, they go punch the clock after having their morning coffee at, at 9, and they're out at 4 or 5, and, you know, they just do that over and over again, and it's just a miserable existence. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people have to live that way, doing something that, you know, they're not passionate about. But, as the years have gone on, I've just learned to not take myself too seriously. Uh, don't be afraid to offend anybody because in the end, it doesn't really matter. You can kiss and make up after. And people want to <laughs> be around honest people. You know what I mean? So it, it's just the way that it is. We're doing radio in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I, I know some people think it's a big deal, but, like, I mean, we're definitely grateful for the platform that we have, and I'm definitely grateful for the job that I have and, and the position and the people that I work with. Uh, and the opportunities right. that that Jim Brewer has bestowed upon me, but at the same time, you know, we're we're medium-sized fish in a very very small puddle, you know. So it's not it's not that big of a deal, you know what I mean? We're not we're not doing radio on uh, you know ninety-eight seven in in New York, you know what I mean? It's 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 not the way that right, it is. Right. Now, Wells, uh, final question before I let you go. I, I don't know if Dave has another question, but I have one last question for you. The poll question sure. that's on your Twitter account. Yeah. With the um, supposedly the guy was what either paid off or then uh, you know didn't make the hit on the guy on the, on the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. How's that, how's that poll question going? Uh, I don't know if it got too many votes. I think it, it might be like somewhere around the sixties or the seventies. It was more of just a. Uh, I was actually really pissed when that happened. Um, you're referencing the one that was on my Twitter account, right? About Marcus yes, Williams. Yes. Yeah, I, I was really mad in the moment, not because I had any action on the game, because if I lost money on it, the poll question would have been a lot worse than that. Um, but <laughs> I was just really mad because Drew Brees is getting older. And Drew Brees is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch. The guy is a, just a – he's just clinical out there, and he's been doing it for so long, and Drew's getting older, and I just don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get. And he should have had that. I mean, they, they should have advanced, and um, they would have been in a, in a very favorable matchup against the Philadelphia team that's struggling to score points right now. Um, they, they play good defense, but I liked the saints. If it was, if it was saints, uh, Eagles, I, I take the saints every day with what they have in the backfield and, and with drew leading it. So I was just more shocked one at the play because I don't know how that happened. I mean, I, I don't know if you listened to the show today, but I kept trying to talk about it, but I just became speechless because it's like the worst defensive play <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, yep. you break down right there. And you say, you break down right as he's jumping up for that ball. And you go, I'm going to let him catch this so that I don't interfere with them. And then I'm going to wrap him up in a bear hug and pull him to the ground. And it's over. And it's over. Or almost over. And, um, 
you know, just the way that that developed. I mean, the, the play that came to my mind when it happened uh, was the, the Ravens-Broncos, uh, the uh, Jacoby Jones catch against the Broncos yeah. where the, the defensive back takes a route like Magellan and ends up, you know, way short, <laughs> and, the, and the ball flies over his head. And, you know, the Ravens end up, you know, going to the Super Bowl and, and getting Joe Flacco a ton of money. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's funny that you mentioned the poll question because I, I definitely try to stay away from some stuff like that because some, if the wrong person saw that, like, they could have just grilled me on it. But then again, going back to, like, telling you about the worst interviews that we've ever had, like, in the long run, I really, I really just don't care. Like, I, I just don't care. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because Joe Joe was texting me right after the game. He said, "Hey, do you watch the game? Did you see that? You know, he's like, I think he got paid off. How does that happen? You know, me as a I'm a huge baseball fan, most of the football fan was, and I'm thinking, wow, all he literally has to do is stand there, wait, yeah. and push the guy out of bounds, or like you said, wrap him up. I mean, my my six year old could have made that play, and the fact that he decided to do this insane, you know, head first dive." Under him, I just – I'll never again I – don't, I don't think in my life will I ever see such a horrific place in a high-stakes football game. But uh, anyway, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I just thought it was great because, like I said, Joe was ranting and raving about it. So I was like, Joe, you got to ask this question. You gotta, I saw it on your Twitter. I was like, you got to ask Wells about this. But uh, listen, Wells, I really, really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking some time out of your schedule, coming on. Uh, you know, it's good talking to you, and it's good to kind of get to know you and stuff. After listening to you so much on the radio, it's nice to kind of – be able to talk to you here, you know, on our platform, and you know, hopefully we can have you on again. I mean, if if I ever decide to fire Joe, I'll just uh, reach out to you and see if you want to co-host with me. I mean, you know, <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, listen, David and Joe, it was uh, it was my pleasure coming on with you guys. I, I had a really good time. I think what you guys are doing is is really cool. Um, you know, podcasting is becoming a huge thing, and. You know, people have all different types of hobbies, but I think as somebody, you know, in the radio industry like myself, I think it's really cool in 2017, beginning of 2018, that, that people are picking up podcasting uh, as a hobby. And who knows, man, it could lead somewhere. So keep up the good work, and anytime you want me, man, I'm available for you. But I will tell you this, tonight at about 9.45, I was watching some Netflix, binge-watching, trying to catch up on a show, and I found myself dozing off. And I'm like, oh man, I can't, I cannot, I cannot fall asleep. I've got to be on this show at at eleven, eleven fifteen. So I got up and and did some push ups and some some sit ups and some pull ups. So I thank you guys for for pushing me to get my workout in. Oh, you know, definitely. And before you go, I got to tell you a funny story. Um, we have a, we have a frequent guest in this show. I mean, she is literally my all time favorite guest. Her name is Nikki Boyer. She's an actress. She's done a lot of different things. And the last time she was on, you're going all year and a half ago. I have been talking to her for weeks. So she's really busy schedule trying to get her on. I was like, you got to come on, blah, blah, blah. So she ends up agreeing, right? And the show is the same, same time, 11 o'clock. I'm getting ready. I put my kids to bed. It was like 10 o'clock or something. I'm just laying down. Next thing I know, I, I wake up. It's 11.30. Nikki had called the show at 11 o'clock, and it was literally her and Joe talking for 30 minutes, wondering what happened to me, if I was in a ditch somewhere, if something happened to me. I mean, Joe is just ripping me to no end, and I listened to it afterwards, but I was so embarrassed because I actually fell asleep. You're talking about Joe's and off. I didn't do any push-ups. I didn't do any sit-ups. I just felt so embarrassed. And we did another, like, 30 minutes once I got on the show, but it was probably one of the funniest moments in the history of our program, uh, me falling asleep yeah. when we had a big interview. It was great. 
Yeah, no, man. I, I think that, you know, things like that, sometimes that they can end up being radio gold, you know, like it's just a weird situation and it opens things up and, and you're giving your listeners uh, something that's kind of quirky and, and unplanned. And, and sometimes that's when the, the best magic happens, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I agree again. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, we'll have you on again in the future. All right. Sounds good. You guys be good. All right. You too. too. Have a good one. Folks, that was the one and only Well Wells Guthrie from ESPN 105.1 The Zone. And it's funny. I don't know why I didn't tell Wells this because I literally just thought about it. But sometimes I'll drive. I'll be driving and uh, Jay Jay Grayson, who is one of the co-hosts of the show, you still there, sir? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. He's one. Sorry, I heard somebody talking. He's one of the co-hosts of the show, and he will literally say, ESPN, what will I learn? And, and I do that. I'll drive, and I'll literally say exactly like that. I'll make my own variation of it. I surprise myself well. But, uh, you know, Swell Wells Guthrie, good interview, good guy. Uh, just, you know, good to have him on. So it's been, it's been such a long time. I think McCarthy was our last interview, and you're talking like end of 2016. I don't I don't know if he's done an interview this entire year. I'll Actually, Carissa Abraham, but that wasn't more of an interview. That was just kind of her, um, you know, as a fan of this, a huge fan of the show, just kind of joining us and us doing her the favor and having her come on the air. Yeah, definitely the longest 15-minute interview I've ever been part of tonight. So uh, clearly, <laughs> when you told me to stick it to 15 minutes, I knew that uh, we would stick right on to 15 minutes. Well, listen, I mean, that's what he told me. He's like, yeah, I can give you 15 minutes. That should be good, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time our first question is finished, I think we're like 30 minutes in. So it was good stuff. So, I mean, really, I tell you, I know I said it to him on the, on the air when he was here, but I love the fact that he answered for interviews because so many times I've wanted to hear that. And we've actually asked people that. I think we have Moose and Kimba, Kim Jones, a few people. And people just don't want to answer because you're afraid somebody might hear. Uh, we don't have to worry about that here on this show. For us to <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that you know, we could go on rants about our work interviews, and we have, you know, some special occasions, you know, senior anniversaries and stuff like that. I mean, to this day, I still say Kevin Knight is by far all time the worst interview in the history of, maybe the worst interview in the history of radio as a, as a whole, as a medium platform. That was that was pure trash. Uh, Christy Marie was another terrible interview. Uh, Kathy Janis, the, um, the race car driver, that may be the all, that may be the all time worst. You're feeling the worst ever. one. No, that was the worst one for you. Rain was great to me. She did it for herself. She didn't have to go back. Yeah, because... That really absolutely despised you, and I still to this day don't know why. I mean, she hated her stuff. But that interview with Kathy uh, Janice was so bad. She was so terrible at answering it. It's just amazing because you're going back, what, six years, seven years? So the fact that she did a radio show, that's so cool. So we can have to do person. Nope. Definitely, Wells will not be on the on the list of worst uh, interviews all time. He's speaking more for the top. But I, I, that's neither here nor there, sir. I thought it was cool to have him on because he kind of gets a local favor. I didn't really get a chance to ask him one of the questions I wanted to ask, so I'll make sure to have him on again. Because I really want to know from his perspective, what's it like being in this market, knowing that in the morning you're simulcasting Mike and Trey Wingo. You know, in the early afternoon, you know, there's the midday show. You're doing Dan Levitar. Great show. Dan Levitar was too bad. And then you're simulcasting Stephen A. Smith. So before you get to the front row, you've got three nationally. 
especially now, they don't have Pharrell and Adventure. It's all local people, so you're not worried about that. The program director, Turner, you're literally working every single show, and you're doing that. With this, it's more kind of like you're doing midday, you're doing this. I don't know. I just think it's to me, it's kind of fascinating to see what, what it is that he does and how much of that time is encompassed with what's actually on the air because it's a lot less than a normal radio station you know, their own original content. No, I hear you. Um, but I, I, I guess what I, I, I want to ask him, too, is, like, is ESPN Tennessee his final spot, or does he, like, wish to go to a, a bigger-name radio station? Do you feel, listening to his show more than I do, do you feel that his his final destination is ESPN Tennessee, or do you think he's going to move on? I, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if would be his final also, he's pretty much like what you know, he's kind of doing And clearly, you can tell he appreciates it. He's also famous for it. He's like, well, I'm doing this and doing that. I don't know if it would be his final destination. I could see him being on a bigger market radio station, but I mean, this is not a huge market. This is not, you know, New York. This is not Miami, which is where the Dan Levitard show, you know, comes out of. This is not a huge market. This is, this isn't even like a huge thing. You can do the media side market. I mean, hell, and Uber, there's only 150,000 people who live here. You know, that is a small town in Jersey, you know. Well, we used to do our show, and, and this is funny, but well, we used to do our show on um, in the middle of the slums of Newark on 1640 Ironbound Radio. We probably could reach that many people in the area that we work. It was like 600,000 people or 700,000 people, whatever it is, in the city. So the, the small... A portion of the size that we had, you know, it's funny because we're on some big radio stations, some AM radio stations in Jersey, but because the population is you're probably reaching the same amount of people that they're reaching out here in, you know, in Chattanooga. Right. Okay. I mean, it's interesting that he's found a niche for himself with the press row. I mean, what are your actual thoughts on press row uh, as a show? Are you uh, enter- highly entertained by it? Yeah, I mean, at first I didn't like it, but this is because I'm used to, again, Mike and Chris, I'm used to Mike and Chris, I'm used to, you know, these, Evan and Joe, like these types of things. So I'm listening to this, and I remember thinking, like, first time, wow, this, this is just that interesting. And I'm, I'm trying to, when you first listen to the show, you're trying to figure out who's who, who's saying, who's this person that's talking like that. You know, and I guess this is kind of what happened in the where he's like, I'm not sure if he asked the question to Joe asked, but uh, clearly it was me, you know, and not you, because you're the worst, but. The way that it's set up is kind of like, all right, well, I'm not really familiar with you just looking at it like, kind of differentiate. At first, I was like, yeah, this is okay. But then I started listening to more and more, and I do find it interesting. But for me, I'm not thinking a lot about sports. And I would have loved to have had the opportunity to talk to Wells about Graciano with the whole Rutgers connection with you and our producer, uh, Kelly, having gone to Rutgers, and the fact that he was a coach for Rutgers and the fact that you've got the Tennessee stuff, you got the Butch Jones stuff. You got the you know the volunteers and empowering. Like you guys. I forget the I forget the guy's name, but I think with yeah, Jeremy Pruitt is the guy they ended up hiring. If I'm not mistaken, was actually quarterback for, or he played for the volunteers again. You know, to me, but I, I'm just not a college football guy. So listening to this kind of stuff, I find out of it. Like I've heard some of their interviews, and their interviews are good. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not my cup of tea because I don't like college sports. You know. And that's just me. I know that people are passionate about it. Seeing that there's no huge market teams in this area, you've got the Falcons, which we only talk 
about amazingly enough, we need to talk about the Falcons. Um, we talked about the Vikings and the Saints, but the Falcons were an actual team here in this market. We didn't talk about them. But, um, you know, you've got all these different things going on, and it's kind of like, all right, well, um, you know, this is this is the market. This is what they have. Uh, you know, these are the people that they talk to, and it's like they don't really talk to a lot of non-college guys, at least not when I listen to it. Obviously, it's been all kinds of that, you know, but in in my opinion, it's like it's, it's tough for me because how do I sit there and, and get into these interviews where it's not a sport that I particularly follow? I mean, I don't know about you, you follow college either, right? You follow college football at all? Um, uh, not re- not week to week. I mean, the I started following college football just for the uh, the bowls. Especially the the playoff, the college playoff, the final four teams. I don't really follow it week to week, no. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's kind of it's kind of tough for me um, with all that. And you know, people. Are, but the thing is, there's no sports because you know the, the Titans are hours away. The Falcons are an hour and a half away, but still, it's Atlanta. You know, if you are fans of the Bulldogs, you are fans of you know the the Braves and the Falcons and stuff like that. But it's not like New York where you have the Mets, who are terrible. You have the Yankees, you have the Rangers, you have the Islanders, you have the Devils, uh, you have, you know, all the Knicks, you have the Giants, and you have so many professional sports teams where it's just completely something. And people are so passionate about sports, but they get completely overshadowed by the, the pros because there's so many of them. I mean, my goodness, what, there's seven, there's seven professional teams that you've got. You've got the three in hockey, you've got the two in football, and you've got the two in baseball. I mean, 17, that's right. So these, and then on top of everything else, oh, by the way, there's this and that, you know? Actually, no, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm right there. There are seven because uh, you've got the broken mess, too. But when you look at kind of all encompassing thing, I mean, New York is a special area in New Jersey. Here, it's like they're all over the place. Yeah, they're very strange. Yeah, they're like this. Yeah, they're like this team. You know, or they like... You know, they have a lot of that stuff going on, too, because you have a lot of guests from the sort of very stuff. I mean, I hate the very stuff. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to get into that. So for me, as a listener, it's kind of weird. I prefer they're kind of back and forth of talking. Then, you know, just the other week, they were talking about how Jay – no, uh, I think David had um, – he played, like, high school, like, high school or little league or something, and Kendrick Jr. and Kendrick Jr. took him deep. He was a pitcher, and Kendrick Jr. had a bomb off for a little bit in high school or something. That's the kind of stuff that I find interesting. Not so much, you know, Philip Fulmer is the athletic director over at uh, the University of Tennessee and he's really stuff going on. I know all this from listening to the show. And obviously, people here are huge, you know, Tennessee and stuff like that. So it's kind of opening. I guess living here is kind of expanding my horizon. So there is life beyond professional sports, you know, professional sports team. Right. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think uh, I, I think I think we've had a good start to 2018. We had a, a guest on the show, and uh, I, I think we should save some more for our next show. We'll talk some wrestling. We'll definitely break down the. Um, by then, we'll probably have we'll know who's going to be in the Super Bowl, so we could uh, definitely have a a well-rounded show next time. Maybe next week. Who knows? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the fact that we'll have about 25 to talk about last for a long time. Yeah. At that point, it's already happened. We'll have the world number one. Um, I mean, definitely. The fact that 
um, you're looking at <laughs> the likelihood of Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. I still can't believe that the Falcons didn't expect that they blew that Super Bowl last year to Tom Brady, but I mean, he's going to end up, they're probably going to destroy uh, Jacksonville. I mean, let, let's be honest, you know, and anyone, anyone that they play against, whether it's uh, the Vikings, you know, whether it's these other turds, you're looking at these teams and you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, oh, this is going to be bad. Oh, this is just going to be so terrible. I mean, look at the quarterbacks. You've got Blake Bortles. You've got Keith Steenman. You know, and then you're talking about the icon, Tom Brady. I mean, really, at the end of the day, do you think there's any chance that it's not going to be the Patriots in the Super Bowl? I don't think the Patriots are actually going to kill the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I think of the Jacksonville Jaguars as a really good defensive team, even though this past week was no indication of that, that they gave up 42 points to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just right. think that they're going to put pressure on Tom Brady. And you've seen, as a Giant fan, you've seen whenever they put pressure on Brady, Brady has an off game or he has a rat, he's rattled. So I think they're going to be able to put some pressure on Brady. And I think the game's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think that the Patriots end up winning a score like 24-17 to 17 or maybe 24-21. But um, I, I do see them going on to the Super Bowl. And you're right, then he's going to play against a quarterback well, they're going to play against a quarterback that's uh, unproven uh, between either Casey Keenum right. or Nick Foles. And at that point, you're right. I think that um, Tom Brady and the Patriots will win another Super Bowl. It's just it's unbelievable how it's like Tom Brady versus all these no-name quarterbacks, Blake Bortles uh, playing this week, and the next week will be yeah, or at Super Bowl. Yeah, Nick Foles, like you said, it's unbelievable. If I said the Eagles are going to stop, let's see, if they go against the Patriots, they're going to get stopped. You know, if it's a vice, maybe it's a vice, because they'll be on. So you've got these people. And I'm not trying to knock these guys, you know. The fact that they're in there, big quarterbacks who've never been to the Super Bowl, and you have to think of the with it's somebody. At that point, if you lose number seven, I mean, that's it, right? No doubt, it's all Hands down. I didn't hear that last part, sorry. No, I said, if you look at it, you know, it's the greatest of all time, right? For Tom Brady? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's debatable. I, I don't know if he's the greatest of all time. I mean, the Giants, and obviously, it seems like the Manning brothers are his kryptonite. So, no, they're yeah. not his kryptonite. But you're telling me he's five and two right now. He's going to be six and two. I mean, it's hell. It's what's hurt, Eli? You're talking about. No, I mean, come on. Anyway, so we're going to talk about this next week. It's been a pleasure as always. It's been a real fun, but it hasn't been a real fun. Um, always good to do a show with you. Hopefully, it says we actually yep. won't be able to have to do more of these shows. Yeah, there's really, uh, there's really nothing left to uh, say. Wait, no, no, wait a second, no, wait a second, David. Wait, David, David. First of all, wait a second, David, first second. Let me, wait a second. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure gold. Pure gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Well, both of you are awesome. Thanks so much. Amazingly enough, he actually just emailed me thanking me for having him on our show. So uh, who knows? But maybe this is the beginning of a, uh, a beautiful friendship, and uh, Joe's not even on the air anymore. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you again. And hopefully, we'll.